Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. I'm here, Aubrey Edwards. With my good pal, Tony Schiavone. And uh, we're here today with a man that literally I don't think I could properly introduce ever if I tried. I think the only one who could potentially introduce him is Tony Schiavone. Yeah, uh, Sting is with us. I know what you're wanting. You're wanting to say, <laughs> it's Sting! But Got I it. Pay- yeah, there you go. But Sting is here with us. Sting, it is great to be talking to you again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, as you're talking about introducing me and all that, I just can't help but go back in time and remember very first like one of the first matches we ever went to with jim helwig and i you know who became the ultimate warrior we're in alexandria louisiana we walk into the uh coliseum there we're meeting all the guys shaking hands with everybody shake hands with jim duggan his eyes are kind of crossed and you know he's got sweat all over him he's just fresh out of the ring and he goes what's your name brother i go sting he goes steve no sting and no sting stink heck of a gimmick brother (laughs) <laughs> all right oh, only hacksaw chimp duggan yep. it's uh i there's there's millions of stories i know that we can tell and I, we want to get into some of those but the first story i want to talk about is getting into aew that's kind of how we always begin this podcast when we talk to one of our uh, superstars uh you arriving to aew was something that that surprise, I guess, is the right word. Maybe Aubrey shocked. I'm not sure. There was a whole like gambit of emotions. I think just watching the people in the back was probably the best possible way to understand how crazy it was. Because you have like Wardlow, who looks like a kid on Christmas. You have other people like, no, that wasn't Sting. There's no way. There's no way he's here. And then just other people like, yeah, what's up? He's here. <laughs> It was nuts. I know from a talent perspective, it was all over the place. And the fans, it was the first time it felt like a full arena since the pandemic. (laughs) Well, that's good to hear. I I have heard stories about, you know, when I walked through and, you know, unfortunately, I had to beeline right into, you know, gorilla position pretty much, you know. Um, But I did see a lot of heads turning and all that. And, you know, it was kind of cool to shake hands with some of the guys on the way back out, you know. Anyway, it was really good. And, and, uh, you know, the, the response from the guys and, you know, and the girls in the back and from the fans, I mean, every time, you know, it's like a, a shock to me, you know, all these years later, it's like, I can't believe it. Well, you know, I had heard that, that you may be coming. That's all I heard. So when, uh, when JR and Excalibur and I came into the, uh, into your trailer in the back, that was really the first time it really, cause Cody said, uh, your buddy's here. 
I said, <laughs> I said, okay, that's good. I, who in the hell are you talking about anyway? He said, he said, Sting. I said, are, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, let's, let's go in the back and talk to him. So we went in the back or, uh, we went in the back and, uh, with, uh, Tony Khan to talk to you. And, and yeah. that was the first time. So it shocked me. It really did. <laughs> so let me ask you, how did this all come about sting? Well, you know, it all started actually, if we go way back, you know, well, five years, I got mm-hmm. a call from Tony Khan five years ago or so, maybe even more. And I, you know, I didn't know who he was. And he said, Hey, you know, my name is Tony Khan, blah, blah, blah. He mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and I thought, who is it? So, you know, I, I did my research and found out there is a Tony Khan and a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I ended up calling him back and, and, uh, you know, he wanted me to sign a baseball bat and he wanted to present it to the team at the time and all that. Right. That's a whole nother side story that we'll talk about another time. But okay. anyway, so I met Tony, you know, long before AEW, long before any of that ever happened. And, and, uh, and then my son, my second oldest son actually tried out with the Jaguars. He tried out with four different teams, the Jaguars being one of them. And uh, so there's some history there with Tony, but he called me again about, oh, maybe a year ago or so. And he didn't call me. He just, he sent a text and, you know, I'm, I'm still with uh, WWE. So right you now I got to be careful how, how I handle all this kind of stuff. And so I just kept it superficial and, mm-hmm. and that was that. And, uh, oh man, I'd say two months ago or so, somewhere around there, I, I reached out and I said, Hey, are you still willing to talk? And he said, yeah. So here we are. Wow. Damn. <laughs> and talking about the fast track. And then, and then, as you said, you made that beeline from your trailer to the gorilla position. And, right. and that's one of the things that I regret about being at the, because I don't know, uh, Aubrey, if anybody got any video of that or not, but that's one of the things I regret about being at the announced position to see everybody's reaction and see everybody because uh, I may have told you this and I know you and I kind of talked afterwards that, you know, go and say hello to these kids because you're like a God to these kids. I mean, you really, really are. And there's Mark Quinn of private party who every time he would see me sting in the back every day, every TV taping without fail, he would look at me and go, it's sting. <laughs> and he, and, and so I told him, I, I told him uh, when I found that you were there, I said, don't get too excited about tonight's show he went i'm only in a battle royal i'm not even winning what are you talking about i said just don't get too excited so he shoved me shoved me a note or came around the corner and shoved me an omg note so (laughs) it it had to be uh and and aubrey i want you to chime in on this one because you were there Mm -hmm. aubrey uh, tell me uh when you saw him for the first time what you thought so my my position was slightly different than everyone else because i was coming out from the ring i think i had a match like right before and i'm just kind of walking through gorilla it's very clear they've got like a production team in the back it's getting kind of stuffed i'm like okay well i gotta get out of here and i walk past and i see sting and i'm like hey what's up sting and i think i gave you a fist bump and then walked away and i'm like okay that's how that went great that's how i introduced myself to sting so cool awesome (laughs) very nonchalant it was great yeah we're all at work Whatever, brother. <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting texts from uh, my two oldest sons, uh, and I was getting a, a text from my daughter who follows it. And I got a text from Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker, who, of course, we do a little routine back and forth on on set with her. I'm supposed to quote her best friend. And her, uh, her text was, you didn't tell me Sting was going to be here, and you need to tell me every time something like this is going to happen. I'm thinking, 
hey, I've got a I've got a broadcast to do here, guys. I yeah. can't keep reading yeah. Texas. You going off status with her? <laughs> yes, I did. Well, I'm I'm sure I'll do something to gain it back. But it had to be it had to be a good feeling for you. I, I mean, we say this all the time about our our, our team. And you had even mentioned this to Tony. Working for Tony is great. It has a great feeling backstage, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And, you know, I had to tell Tony that, you know, I've had, I had several of the guys, you know, uh, approach me and I've even some of the guys that don't even work with the company and say that, you know, all kinds of good stuff about Tony. Uh, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about Tony. And you can always tell when somebody's being genuine and when they're not being genuine. I mean, we've been doing this long enough. Even when somebody's trying to speak positive, you know that there's an undercurrent of cynicism and, you know, bitterness and resentment and all that kind of stuff. But it's not so uh, here with AEW. And, you know, I told Tony, I said, man, it starts from the top and trickles on down, you know, to everyone else. The only time I ever got to experience anything like this was... For a short period of time of probably 18 months or so with uh, WCW when, you know, we launched the Monday Nitro show and we had the Monday Night Wars going on and we were, you know, I mean, we were killing it every single week. But you had a bunch of guys from the top all the way down to the bottom, all marching to the same beat in the same direction. There was unity and, um, you know, the creative juices are flowing and it's positive and it's good. There, there's no clicks. There's no none of that kind of stuff. And. So I experienced it there for a little while, you know, everybody kind of moving in the same direction where everybody wanted the whole, the, the, the company as a whole to succeed and move forward. And, um, it was only, it was short lived. And, um, you know, here with AEW, it's like, I mean, it, it is almost knocking me over just how much everybody wants to this company to succeed and to do well. So there's unity here. It's good. Yeah. It's healthy. It's a healthy environment. I mean, I can, I can see cancer from a mile away <laughs> and, uh, I don't, I don't see any cancer cells here. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a pretty amazing place. And we talk about it frequently on this podcast as well as other places. But I mean, I've been kind of waiting for the shoe to drop and it's been like a year and a half and it hasn't. So yeah, yeah. you're in, you're in really good hands. It's a nice family here. Yeah. Like a lot of times family gets thrown around as a, as a term like oh yeah it's a family and then people are stabbing you in the back but right this is definitely one of those places where i know i haven't experienced anything like that it's just everyone's all in it together we're all yeah. working towards the same goal right there isn't there isn't any group of people like this that's perfect that's for sure and i'm definitely not one of the perfect ones <laughs> but i gotta say this is this is a, a really good healthy environment i mean everybody's got a smile on their face and you're gonna love it here you're gonna love it this is the best you know so it's good. So you, you, you walk out uh, with a great video and snow is coming down. Now, I know it's the pandemic era sting and I know we don't have the, the crowds that we normally have, but the fans and the, the, the kids, I call them the kids, the wrestlers at ringside going crazy, giving each other high fives. And so when you're stepping through and that snow's coming down, you get the response. How did that feel to you? I mean, you've done so many things in this sport. How did that moment feel to you? You know, I, I've always thought I, I had a pretty good ear. You know, you can really kind of tell where where the heartbeat is of, of the wrestling fans and, you know, where they are, if they're really sinking their teeth into something that they really like and, and if they're not. And uh, it really felt like it really felt good, even though it was, uh, you know, a pandemic crowd. It felt really good. And, you know, as far as the snow, I mean, I've made every kind of entrance under the sun. I mean, they've done everything except for shoot me out of a cannon. 
But I got to tell you, Give snow, it time. snow is a first for me. <laughs> yeah. Winter is coming, you know, and um, it is so cool. And I've had more people say, oh, dude, the snow, man, that's awesome, you know. Right. Yeah. It's tremendous. Good deal. What are we going to do in summer? That's what I'm worried about. Well, I, I don't know. I Hopefully, it'll warm up a little bit because I, I was freezing to death the last time we did a show back oh to backstage. Whoa. Wow, that was really yeah. cold. Yeah, it was freezing last time. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was supposed to be warm in Florida, guys. What the hell happened? No, not always. <laughs> not in Northeast yeah, Florida. There, there's some type of vortex wind kind of thing that comes through there, from what I understand, too. And it just sits right there. Right. Yeah, yeah there's not much difference between uh, Jacksonville and South Georgia, I can tell you that, uh, oh living in this area the, as long as I've lived. We're talking with Sting, and this is AEW Unrestricted. Of course, his uh, entrance into AEW has been uh, well-documented and well-talked about, and we want to talk a little bit more about him coming into AEW. But uh, right now we want to uh, – our next question is going to be about when Sting first started in pro wrestling, if we can go back that far, because I know it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, you scared me for a second. If we can go back that far, I mean, yeah. you okay. pulled yourself out at the last second there, Tony. Very I always do. Very I good. always do. We're here, Tony and Aubrey, with Sting, talking a little bit about AEW introduction, joining the AEW family, but we want to kind of take a step back. You've got a very special relationship with Dusty Rhodes and the Rhodes family. Yes. So, what is it like now being at a company where Cody and Dustin have sort of made a new name for themselves. First of all, I'm, I'm so proud of both of those guys. I mean, and, and boy, it couldn't happen to two better guys, you know, I mean, second generation wrestlers, their dad being ultra famous, you know, and the most charismatic of all time in my book and having to follow in his footsteps. And, you know, it can seem bleak for a minute in life. And then, suddenly a shift can happen and you know if, if you've got the the work ethic and the love of game and all that which uh, cody and dustin both have then uh, i guess you got the makings to turn something you know like the the diamond in the rough kind of a deal and um and they did it and i'm i'm so proud of those guys for doing it. i mean they were cody was just like a little kid you know in the, mm. yeah he was just a tiny kid in the beginning and Dustin and I, we, you know, we got a history. I was on the road with him on and off. He, we were in the same cab of the car driving together. And so all these years later, just to see the fast forward of all this and how far they've come and, and the deal that they put together and the Tony Khan thing and AEW and then TNT and back in the jungle again. I mean, wow. I, I mean, people ask me in the Q and A's for 20 years, you know, don't you wish there could be another, you know, WCW? And it's like, you know, what's it going to take to make that happen? Well, it's going to take a, another billionaire mm. who's all in. Right. And uh, otherwise, it, it just it ain't going to happen. You know, I tried, uh, you know, a few other things that, that it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm so glad that uh, Cody and Dustin did what they did. And AEW is what it is. And I get to be a part of it. You you mentioned about uh, you and uh, Jim Helwig together. When you first started in wrestling, you and I kind of talked earlier about this, about you started with Jerry Jarrett, and uh, you and Helwig were together as a tag team. He went on the course to be the Ultimate Warrior. I'm leading on to this long question to ask you, when did you first start into pro wrestling? When did you first get, quote unquote, the idea that, hey, I wanted to be a pro wrestler? I never did get the idea that I wanted to be a pro wrestler. 
Okay. Ever once. I, I was approached by a guy named Rick Bassman. Many people know who Rick Bassman is. Have you ever met Rick, Tony? No, I'm not. Yeah, you, you, I'm surprised, but a lot, of, a lot of people know him. Anyway, California guy, and I co-owned a Gold's Gym in Southern California with a guy named Ed Connors, who was the treasurer of Gold's Gym in Venice Beach, the Mecca. And, uh, you know, we, we ran this Gold's Gym in, in Reseda at the time. And uh, Rick Bassman came in with three other guys, and he was trying to break into pro wrestling. He was the manager, and he had three big guys. And he wanted to put a sign up in the gym. Um, which I allowed him to do. And these guys worked out and they were trying to recruit a fourth guy for weeks and, um, you know, no bites. And, and, uh, one day, uh, Rick said, you know, what about you? And, you know, I had no interest in, in doing that, but I was bartending, you know, in a nightclub. I was bouncing in the nightclub. I was, you know, auditioning for movies with no acting experience whatsoever. So I was reaching it. I was trying to get, somewhere you know arnold schwarzenegger was making all his movies and i'm like you know he didn't even speak english in the beginning and look at him now so if he can do it you know i gotta be able to do this and so you know i i wanted something and so i thought well you know i'll I'll, maybe i'll try this and so he talked me into going to with all the guys um to the sports arena in los angeles hulk hogan big john stud andre the giant the iron sheik the british bulldogs adrian adonis and all these guys and, you know, to coin the 80s phrase, I tell the story the same way every time. But, I mean, it was pandemonium, you know. And, right. Uh, you know, red and yellow bandanas over there, everywhere for Hogan. And, and I went, wow, I didn't even, this is insane. And back up a little bit, you know, this big guy with blonde hair used to come into the gym to work out all the time. And people would freak out. And they'd say, don't you know who that is? And I'd say, I don't know who he is. He's Hulk Hogan. Who's Hulk Hogan? He's the guy from the Rocky movie. Oh, I know that guy. That was the only way I knew him. See, I didn't know anything about pro wrestling. In uh, I grew up north of the San Fernando Valley in a place called Santa Clarita. We didn't have wrestling on TV, so I had no idea what pro wrestling was. So, but anyway, we go to this 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 big show, and I decide, you know, this this is this is what I want to try and do. And and for me, it was all about making it big, you know. Uh, that that's all I wanted to do was was make it big, like like Arnold, like Hogan, and so that's where it all started. Wow! And so now you're you're from uh, out in California. How did you make your way to to Middle America? Jim Helwig and I. Uh, Jim was not one of the original four guys. He came on about halfway through uh, the wrestling camp. We went through a wrestling camp, and uh, Jim Helwig and I were the only two guys that really. I mean, we were, we were really trying to be pro wrestlers. We were trying to figure this whole thing out. Uh, how to do the moves, how to take the bumps and learn the psychology and all that. And so we sent out uh, press kits, you know, even to Japan, uh, mm. all over the United States. Because at the time, you know, there were all these you know, regional territories all over the place. Right. And, um, you know, we had one one person reach out to us of all the all the ones that we sent out, you know, like 30 of them. And uh, J- uh, Jerry Jarrett was the only one who reached out and said, yeah, you know, I want you guys. We had a picture of all four of us you know, on this, this, uh, eight by 10 that we sent him. And he said, you know, I only want two of the four. And Jim was living with me in the house at the time, my house in California. He was on one line. I was on the other. And Jerry says, yeah, I only want two. Well, which two do you want? Well, the picture I'm looking at, I want the two guys to the far left, which was Jim and me. And so, well, you're, you're talking to those two guys. So he said, well, get in your car and come on out. And, um, 
we started in Nashville, Tennessee, just uh, Thanksgiving Day, 1985 was the very first match. How long did you guys end up tagging together? Oh, it was short-lived. We tagged for maybe a total of 12 months or so. Three months with Jerry Jarrett. We were so bad. Um, when we, I, I had separated my shoulder and Jerry Jarrett said, you know, you guys, I, I gotta let you go. Gotta finish you up. You know, Jim's out in the ring, you know, doing something because he wasn't injured. I was injured. So I'm in the back and Jerry says, I gotta let you guys go. I gotta finish you up. Okay. Finish this up. What does that mean? It was, I gotta let you go, but I'm not just going to let you go. I'm going to, I'm going to place you guys with Bill Watts, UWF. So, okay, so we went to the UWF. We wrestled there as a tag team for nine to 12 months or so. And then he split off and went to world class, became the Dingo Warrior, and then uh-huh. the WWE and the Ultimate Warrior and all that. And uh, I ended up with uh, WCW. So, WCW, six time WCW world champion, I believe. I mean, even that one statement doesn't really summarize everything you've done there. But. I know for a long time you had a lot of these great matches with Ric Flair. Is there any anyone in particular that stands out to you? Of all the opponents that I wrestled? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you said it already. I mean, Rick is, I mean, he, he's the one that put me on the map. And, and he's he taught me more in the first six months wrestling him that I, I learned in the first, you know, almost two years of being in the business. And and then I continued to learn. He was like a, a mentor to me. We, I didn't know it at the time. He didn't know it at the time, but he, he, he really was. I was, he was mentoring me and I was learning a ton. But aside from Rick, you know, I, I used to love, uh, my matches with Vader. We used to have really good matches. I used to, you know, like to wrestle the big guys and, uh, Rick Rude. He was like one of the greatest heels of all time in my book. I uh, used to love to wrestle Rick, the great Muda, you know, going to Japan and wrestling him there and having him in the United States. We were equal in size and, you know, had the same type of abilities. And, and so that was really good, too. So a lot of guys that were I had fun working with, but were, those were the top guys. When Crockett buys UWF and you come over uh, with UWF and you start working on a national level uh, on TBS, everybody points to the first clash of the champions being the one night that introduced us to sting. And, uh, would you say that's correct? I mean, that was, that was the match. That that was the match that put me on the map. No question about it. I mean, 45 minutes. I mean, there was a lot of good things that happened. That was a, I don't know if you remember Tony, but the, the, the first time in television history, that, you know, any sporting type event went commercial free for 45 minutes. Right. And, you know, we got a, you know, 7.1 rating or whatever it was unbelievable at the time. And so, and that match really did put me on the match. You know, we had the, you know, the three judges and of course one for Rick, one for me, and then the other one was in the middle. And so it was a draw. Rick kept the title, but it put me on the map and, you know, I'll never forget that, you know, Rick, Rick had the ability to make or break me. And, um, man, he, he made me. Damn. So I know that that was, uh, I think it was 1988 for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. I want to talk a little bit about, fast forward uh, to working with Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen back in 1990-91. Uh, in working, what about just, just to comment on working with the Four Horsemen? Yeah, what was it like? Oh, I, I mean, y- you're in the ring with some of the, the best the best in the business. And, and I had not only Rick now teaching me, but I could learn from Arn and I could learn from Tully. I mean, 
just a, a phenomenal experience being with these guys and the respect that I had for them was immense. And, you know, I was all ears, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm the quiet guy listening and absorbing all that I can possibly absorb from these guys. And, um, you know, wanting to do, wanting to please them, of course, wanting to please the fans as well. But what, what an overall phenomenal experience. I mean, you go from being the curtain jerker, you know, kind of a guy with a guy on before intermission to all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're in main events almost every single night and you're working with the best in the business. I mean, I, you know, you, I felt like I arrived, you know, I'll never forget walking through the airport in Pittsburgh and I saw Andre the giant. And he's walking one way and I'm walking the other. And I said, Andre, and he turned, he looked at me and Sting, are you doing boss? <laughs> Man, Andre, how you doing boss? That, that was big for me. Right. I can understand that. I, I get that. <laughs> During that time is when you have your knee injury. Uh, and it was one, it happened, I believe. And of course I wasn't there, but was it a Corpus Christi? Corpus Christi, February of 1990. Yeah. Right. And I mean, it, it was very apparent that you heard it, it climbing the cage. Am I right to say that? I, yeah, I, I, I was jumping up to, to, you know, how you, you shoot a layup in basketball, you jump up, if you're right-handed, you jump off your left leg. I, I was doing right. that to try to get as high as I could because I was supposed to climb in the cage and get to Rick. And I, you know, it was almost like a Nancy Kerrigan. Remember her? That whole story. Sure do. I, I, I swear, I thought a wrestling fan took a, a pipe or something and whacked my knee. That's what it felt like. Oh and I remember grabbing the, the bars like this and looking behind me over there to see, and all the wrestling fans were just sitting there, and I knew nobody did anything. So I reached down with my left hand, and I put my fingers, like, you know, underneath my kneecap, and I knew that my patella tendon was completely gone and, and severed. So I hopped back down, and now I'm hopping on my right leg. And as I, as I do that, my left leg from the knee down is just sort of twirling around in circles like this, just grotesque. And Rick now decides he's going to climb over. It's like, oh, maybe maybe Sting didn't know what he was supposed to do or something. Mm -hmm. So he comes out, and he comes running after me, and I got Doug Dillinger, I got Wahoo McDaniel, and I got some of the other guys around me, and I'm saying, tell Rick I'm hurt. Tell him my knee is toast. I'm, I'm done, you know, and here he comes, you know. I got to watch this on film. I haven't seen it since it happened, but he, he jumps on top of me, and I'm holding him, hopping on one leg with the other leg dangling all over like this, Rick, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. You know. Anyway, oh yeah, that God. was February of 1990, and then uh, you know, July, I came back. Ready to right. bash. That's such a quick turnaround, man. It, it, it should have been longer, but you know, that is the old school mentality. You know, and, the, and in those days, you know, you had your position, you had your spot. You know, and I, I didn't want to lose my spot, and um, so you, you had to, you had to come back quick if you wanted to keep it. And there were all kinds of new young lions, you know, ready to take your, your place. And so, and I didn't want to lose my opportunity with Rick. I wanted it to keep rolling. And, uh, so you, you come back and great American bash Baltimore become the champion. One of the greatest NWA world title matches ever had to have a, a big feeling, not only about winning it, but also about being able to come back because when you have an injury like that, I know that you always have to doubt that you can even come back, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that was the kind of injury. It was a patella tendon. It's the biggest tendon in, in your body. And I think it just, you know, 10, 15 years earlier, there was no type of surgery to 
fix that type of injury. So you were, right. and that tendon will, will allow you to put one foot in front of the other without it. You can't put the other foot out. And so your, your career in sport life is completely done at that point. So, and then I was able to see, you know, one of the, the, the best or the best, you know, at the time, especially Jim Andrews out of Birmingham, Alabama, Right, and he put me back together. He said, "Steve, you're going to need nine months." I said, "Ah, I can't do that. I, it's got to be quicker." And so, I mean, I've as I I've, I've seen little bits and pieces of that, and you can see that my left leg is smaller than my right leg, and and my you know I'm a little loose around the waist. I'm I'm not in really good condition. Um, it, it was a great night, but you know I was not in really good physical condition. I shouldn't have come back that early. We're here with Sting on AEW Unrestricted, talking some stories about WCW, and I'm sure we've got plenty more. AEW Unrestricted, Aubrey and Tony sitting here chatting with Sting, WCW stories. I don't think we can not, or I don't think we can finish talking about WCW without talking about Starcade 97. I think it was uh, highest grossing pay-per-view in WCW history, 17,000 people in the crowd, what do you remember from that match in that night? Well, I, I do remember as far as buy rates and all that, it was the number, number one highest grossing pay-per-view in the history of all pay-per-views, any kind of pay-per-view. So at the time, I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, we were breaking attendance records in all these arenas all over the country. And, and, and it was a, an incredible time. Unbelievable. I mean, that's that was... Uh, I feel like I kind of came into my own, you know, finally at that, at that particular time. And there was a certain level of maturity that I had reached and experienced and some seasoning that happened over all the years, learning from Rick and everyone else. And everything just happened all perfect at the same time. And it was, it was phenomenal. Now, it was during that time. Uh, and of course I was there, so I lived it as well. It was during that time of the NWO invasion that you, uh, you kind of made your transition. I mean, there's two, there are two stings, really. There's the beach sting with the blonde hair and the colors uh, that you talked about, the neon colors you talked about on TV that Dusty Rhodes put on you. And now it's the sting that we call the crow sting. Uh, that was, uh, and you were representing WCW at that time. That became the angle of all angles for not only this pay-per-view we're talking about, but that whole angle of sting in the rafters, Sting watching down, Sting coming down, you know, uh, rappelling down, was the number one angle for WCW. And there was a lot of a lot of the success of the company was based on that angle, don't you think? Yeah, I I, I do. I mean, it, it, it was huge. And, and it wasn't just me, of course. It, it, was, it, was, sure. it was everybody. It was the NWO, you know, you know, Hogan, Hall, Nash, and the whole NWO, I mean, the whole package, everyone together. And, and again, we're all, you know, marching to the same beat, to the same drum. And so it was all good. But yeah, I mean, from the top all the way down, what, what, what an experience. And I, I do believe that, that that was an angle that I'll never forget is less is more. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't talk, you know. Right. And, and, but you, you know, it's also filled with risk. You know, I, I took risk and, and, um, you know, changing your character around and, you know, your blonde flat top, you know, neon glow in the dark, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a character, you know, charismatic, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're stoic. There's no speech. There's a, you know, you're changing your, you're up in the rafters, you know, it's, it's like, are fans going to fart all over this? I mean, mm, what's going right. to, what's going to happen here? You know, right. and, uh, it ended up working 
thank God for that. And uh, yeah, and it, it really set the precedent at the time. So after that great run, it's not longer after that, not too long after that when WCW goes down and you and Ric Flair have your match in the very last Monday Nitro, which was Panama City back in 2001. Tell us what you remember about that night. Oh, man, it, it was uh, surreal. I've always used that term surreal uh, because it was. It was like we were the second-class citizens for many, many years, mm-hmm. um, second to WWE. Uh, we launched Nitro. We kill it for so long. We almost put WWE completely under and out of, of business. And, you know, all of a sudden you, you've got these Monday Night Wars and their ratings are coming up. And, and it's like now it's neck and neck. They catch us now. Now they're ahead of us almost every week. And, and then, you know, rumors, rumors, you know, you hear all these rumors. Oh, you know, it's uh, we're going to be bought out. And, and then you find out Vince McMahon might be buying us out. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, Vince McMahon is going to buy us out. And they show up in Panama City and they want Rick and I to leave the fans with something good. They want it to be something positive. So we have a, a short little match, but it just it kind of felt like the enemy came in and took the women and children. You know, there was uh, pillaging and raping and there's just all these it's like chaos. You know, it's like, what? Sure. what? is what is happening here right i mean you know i remember ted turner meeting with us and saying yeah you know in the very beginning you know i, I got all the suits and ties around me and you know and and they they complain about you guys they don't like you wrestlers because we're always in the red but you know what i tell them i tell them i love wrestling and i got some deep pockets so you guys just keep doing what you're doing you know and, you know, the, the, the billionaire is in the end, didn't even know what was going on, I guess. I don't know. And we were put on the chopping block and sold for like next to nothing. So second class citizens, we finally make it, you know, where we're number one in the world and then we get bought out and, and it's over and done. And you disappear, you know, like a, a puppy with his tail between his legs, you know. Right. That was a, that was a, just a, a horrible time for me. What the whole run up to that? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, because it, it was for me too, and and I tell you why. And you, you and I were, were obviously different. I was an announcer, and and you were a, a talent. But the rumors killed me. The uncertainty every day of not knowing what we were doing, right? Really, just really grated on me, and and really made really put a bad taste in my mouth right. about the business. Yeah. And then I had, I had a contract that, you know, had another, I don't know, two year, 18 months, two years left on it. And, and I had a paycheck coming in. I mean, that was good. Yeah. Right. No job duties to perform anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, wow, what a way to go out after all those right. years, what a way to end it. You know, it's right. not. So did you have an opportunity to go work with Vince after that, uh, after everything ended? You know, after it ended, we, we never did talk. There was never any discussion, at least not immediately after. It was, it was, I don't know, maybe, maybe a year after, something like that, that um, Vince reached out and we had conversation. And you know, talking with Vince, you know, was always good. But then you get, you know, his group of attorneys and my attorney, and they, you know, and then then it all kind of falls apart. So sure. 
And I, I just, long story short, I just wasn't willing to make the uh, commitment that that he wanted. There was more to it than that, but you know, I, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I understand. So you did work for TNA for a time. Tell us how that all developed. I, I was called by. Uh, it's funny, um, Jerry Jarrett's son Jeff by Jeff Jarrett. So you know. The guy who gave me my break originally, Jerry Jarrett, his son, Jeff, all those years later, struck some kind of deal with Dixie Carter. And he called and said, hey, would you want to come and just do a, you know, a show? And, and I did one. Is you want to do another one? All right. And then, then it was like, could we get you to sign a deal and maybe do something with us? I really don't want to, you know. And it took some, some, you know, twisting really of my arm really at the time to do it. But I decided I was going to do it. And, and, and Vince was in the picture once again during that time. I'll never forget, you know, I, I'm talking to him on the phone. <laughs> I said, Vince, uh, I'm going to go to TNA. Huh. And he said, the thought of you and the legacy that you leave behind and you going to TNA is just bleh. <laughs> he literally oh said bleh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah 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 and then i, I ended hear up that. working for him a few years later so right right you did get uh you did get your wrestlemania moment that had to be pretty exciting it was it really was i didn't know how the uh you know the monday night war thing you didn't know how the wwe universe would would take to me and and all the guys and um it it was it was good you know i uh, same kind of a deal i was snuck in everywhere and hidden until the last possible moment and i showed up and and uh you know the guys were watching on the monitors and in the dressing rooms and some of them saw me walking through and it was the same kind of a scene it was it was pretty cool and then you know the crowd did receive me and that was a relief you know that really was a relief that it was good so i felt like well you know i've done just about everything there is to do here and I, i had fun you know they treated me good right yeah, it was quite a moment. A year later, you get inducted into the the uh, Hall of Fame, and that had to be special for you, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hall of Fame. I was reluctant to do it because, you know, I was still scheduled to work and wrestle. And, and uh, I, I said to uh, Triple H, I said, I'm still wrestling. You know? mm, right. He said, yeah, it, it, we think it's still going to be good, you know. Mm-hmm. And just just because you you're inducted doesn't mean you're retiring or it's over, you know. Right. I said okay, that's true. So I can do that. Sure. So I did it. So uh, we have uh, gone through a very uh, lengthy and uh, pros- <laughs> prosperous and exciting career. Uh, are you like me? You look back and you think, where did the time go? Because it, it seems like there's part of me that seems like it happened all so quickly from the time you and I first. You know, you you tweeted me that picture of you and I on our first TBS show together, uh, and then you tweeted the picture of us in the ring. It seems like from that time to this time, it's quicker. It goes by quickly, but then it goes by. It takes forever. Yeah, it's a, like a mix of both, depending on how you're right. looking at it. You know, thirty-three years later, Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's here right. we are, Damn. and uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, and I feel like you haven't changed a whole heck of a lot at all. Uh, you still have a youthfulness about you. You still look pretty much the same. Yep. And um, gosh, just hearing your voice and like even looking at you right now, I mean, it's it, it does bring back some some 
really, really good memories. And uh, wow, we've, we've, I believe, come now. This is the true full circle picture for me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I the, agree. TNT, a lot of the same people, even the behind the scene, you know, the, the Keith Mitchells and, uh, you know, gosh, they're Ross. Almost, they're almost, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And of course, we cannot forget Aubrey. It's hard. No. Nah. It's hard not to forget Aubrey. Nah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. I run in and start swearing. Everyone knows that. Personality <laughs> plus, right? <laughs> I, I say this because it's true. And I, I didn't realize how much, you know, you and I right now are, especially you, uh, nostalgia is big. And we bring back the childhood of the kids who were back in the 90s. And so you, you have to realize what your role is uh, in this company. And your one of your roles in this company is is person that all these kids who love wrestling, Aubrey being one, all the wrestlers look up to you. And uh, have you been asked any advice since then? Or are they, I mean, I know you've only been with us for like not even a month, but have they asked you for any advice? Or are you willing to give some advice to be like a mentor to some of these kids? Oh, absolutely. I, I'd be a, an idiot if I didn't you know, try to pour into some of these guys and, you know, pay attention to what they're doing. I mean, I've, I've had some of them say, if you watch me, I mean, could you watch me and just, you know, I just, just tell me whatever you want to tell me. I mean, I, I just want to get better, you know? And right. So, yeah, I, I am getting that kind of stuff. And, and of course I'm going to be glad to do that, but I mean, what a, what a group of people, I mean, you know, wrestling has changed and some of the matches that I have seen, I, they're the most incredible athletic high paced. I don't know how many false finishes, you know, they got, they got the crowd rocking and rolling. I mean, on every single match, it seems. And, you know, some of the big, big names, you know, the Kenny Omegas and John Moxley's and I mean, the young bucks, I mean, wow. Darby. I mean, these guys are ultra talented. And I love the fact that they're, you know, when I first started, I, it's like, I didn't want to do, and be like the generation before me. Right. I wanted to be different. And, and, and I was, and, uh, these guys, I'm watching them do the same thing. They're not, they're, they're, they're different. They, they've changed, they've changed it. They've changed the psychology. They've changed, you know, how they tell a story and, um, they're good, very innovative and athletes, and taking it seriously, living, eating, and breathing it, they do. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, my my hats off to every one of them. So you've had an incredible career, and the the impact you've made is is very obvious. And you know, guys are all already coming to you for advice. But what would you say is the biggest thing you're trying to get out of being at AEW? <sighs> Man, the biggest thing I'm trying to get. <laughs> Or give back. Yeah, or... I, I, what, you know, it, it, it's going to be a combination of of getting and giving. Um, getting is just how do I put this? You know, all those who we just talked about it with uh, WCW. You know, he, I didn't want to disappear with my tail between my legs, and you know, here recently, I, I didn't want to just end the way it ended you know right i was pushing to get a cinema style match with baker mm -hmm. and for probably a, a litany of different reasons it, it just it just wasn't going to happen and so 
uh, when Tony called and, and, you know, spoke with me and he said, are you interested in doing cinema style matches? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. Absolutely. And so, uh, I thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to come back and, and do that and not disappear again with my, the tail between my legs. You know, I'd love to be able to go out, you know, I don't have to go out on top. I'm just saying to go out in a positive light, you know. And then as far as the other, you know, giving, you know, I, I would like to mentor, you know, some of these guys and, you know, be of any kind of help that I possibly can, you know, even though it's, it's changed, I, you know, I still... I still get it, and I'd like to be, you know, a part of helping some of these guys get better. Well, just your appearance is going to help people get better. We're, we're up against the time you're staying, but I wanted to ask you, uh, how things going for you personally right now? Everything, family, doing okay? Everybody okay? Everyone's doing great, yeah. Uh, no no COVID issues, no – Yeah. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's happy. Good. All, all is good. Checking all the positive boxes. Well, all Love all it. is great with Sting and AEW, and we appreciate your time here, buddy. We really do. Thanks for having me. So much. Yeah. So much. Thank you so much for being My here today. You know, Thank you. Holiday season and all that. We're all very, very busy with things going on. So, you know, your time's valuable. And thanks. I'm so, so looking forward to having you around. Right and on. Learning all that I can. Love to hear it. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> you can follow Sting on Instagram at Stinger. On Twitter, at Sting. Subscribe to our podcast, which is called Unrestricted. How much does it cost, Aubrey? It's free, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out the video of this podcast on YouTube. Just search AEW Unrestricted, and tune in to AEW Dynamite Wednesdays, 8 o'clock, 7 Central, on TNT, because you never know when the snow is going to come down again, right? God, I love the Absolutely. snow. I love the snow. So good. Thanks again, Sting. It's great talking to you. I'm Tony Schiavone. It's Tony! <laughs> Ah, I love it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Aubrey. Thanks for listening to Unrestricted. <laughs>